Well, it's great to come off of, off of those songs. We are blessed uh, to have some of the best worship leaders anywhere around, too, by the way. I'm not pumping them up, just pumping Jesus up in, the, in them. Uh, how many places do you get to go where, I mean, everybody who just looks for talent is mad at us because of the talent that we have. But it's not the talent. I mean, it's just the, it's the heart of these people. But it's, we can go across the stage and everybody sings, you know. And any one of these people could be leading worship anywhere. But God's doing a unique thing here um, at the gathering place. Man, I'm just so thankful that, um, I mean, Bill and I were talking about this this morning. Just so thankful that what we are experiencing is God. It is raw God. It is pure God. Uh, as pure as it can be with us obviously still detoxing from our own, our own forms of religion and, and religious fixations that all of us have to some degree, degree still because that's hard to detox from. But just a, you know, what a blessing to be. I mean, I'm, I'm at a place where I would never even think about going back to what I was in and what I was doing uh, because I, I love Jesus. And I'm so thankful to have you guys. I know y'all know this. I say it a lot, but man, I'm just so thankful to have you guys uh, to to love God with, and and that um, for now you pay me to do what I'm doing, which is a blessing to be able to, you know, to do this ministry and do it full time. And you know, I'm trying to get that off of your backs, and not that you still give money. We'll just use it somewhere else as God provides that. But man, just thanks for being who you are and. Aren't we blessed to be able to be in this church? And I know these guys are not, don't feel like they're second-class citizens because they're not leading somewhere else, you know. They're here, not because they can't be somewhere else. They're here because of what God's doing in this community. And so, you know, I just look across each one of them. I think, man, we are so blessed to have you guys, all of you. I mean, what a blessing. So that's my mushy moment for the year. (laughs) But I was just thinking as we were singing, you know, a couple of things that stuck out to me was, first of all, that last song, you know, I confess you're more than enough for me. Uh, that's, that's what, that's who we are. You know, we're just, we believe that at the gathering place, that Jesus is enough for us. He's enough all by himself, and we're, you know, so title of our series right now is Jesus is enough. And if he is enough, then why do we keep on Singing and bringing grain, right? Why do we keep on going through ritualistic things instead of just realizing that he's present and he's real and he wants to have a relationship with us? So quit. Stop all that singing and bringing grain stuff, which I don't know if you got that. It's a little artistic statement, but to me it represents us doing our religious duty, doing our duty which is duty. So get, get rid of it. So today we're going to talk about Jesus ministering through us. Most of us grew up in works-based churches, churches that focused on a list of things to do. And so when it comes to doing ministry, which is a phrase, uh, I, I put that in quotes, because doing ministry is what we did, most of us. We used to judge ourselves based on how often we worked, and how hard we worked on the job that 
was put on us, usually by a church that was, uh, would, would give that ministry to, and it was taken by only the spiritual marines that were, you know, the few, the proud, the 20%, doing 80% of the work is the stat that I've quoted uh, all of my life, 20% of the people doing 80% of the work. We, you know, and I was that exceptional 20%er, by the way. I was. And though I was deemed uh, super successful in ministry by everybody because of it, I was tired, empty, unfulfilled. And in my spirit, I knew that all that work that I was doing was mine. It was my work. I was doing it. I was building something for myself. It was me leading people to follow me. It was me building something for myself, leading people to make me look good. It was me making myself feel good about persuading people to join the team of religious zealots that I was leading, my particular version of it. Now I look back at all of that stuff and look, uh, we were successful by every, every man's standard. Doing ministry in Jesus' name. We got our ministry plans from the pages of books that were written by people who were the best religious zealots out there, gathering their people together. They were asked to travel around the world and make their disciples because of their methods were successful. And all the while, Jesus was nowhere to be found. We had a principle from the word of God to go and make disciples. That was a principle that we were living by, but <coughs> our interpretation of the principle was wrong. We knew what to do with that principle, and we fleshed it out, fleshed it out our way. God told us what to do, and we said, okay, thank you. We got it from here, and we did it ourselves, and we built our own thing. And it's led many of us to a false perception of who Jesus is in relation to ministry and what it looks like when we were just submitted to him and when we were just loving him and, and when ministry becomes the fruit of the sap of the Holy Spirit flowing through us, we're abiding in him and he's just producing fruit. So today we're going to look at <clears throat> the truth about who Jesus is in ministry, the ministry of our church. What's his role? What does he do? Let's look at him this morning as he reveals himself to the disciples in this way. And hopefully my goal for us today is as what it is every day, every time we, we, we preach the story about Jesus, that we will see him as he is and be drawn to him, that we'll be drawn to love him more and to, by the knowledge that we gain and, that, and to respond to who he is. When it comes to the ministry of the gathering place, I hope that, that our ministry will be in, in response to the person that we see in this story. That we will find ourselves in the story as disciples who love Jesus, who have, who have, from what we know about him, have committed to follow him. <coughs> Excuse me. And then uh, continue to learn as we encounter him in life. So, Luke chapter 9 is our focal passage today. And I'll share some more about some cool things the Lord did this week in relation to this idea or concept, because it's so neat how God brings experiences during the week of a message to, to bring the message to light. Luke 9. And he 
called the twelve together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases, and he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. And he said to them, Take nothing for your journey, no staff, no bag, nor bread, nor money, and do not have two tunics. In whatever house you enter, stay there, and from there depart. And wherever they do not receive you, when you leave that town, shake off the dust from your feet as a testimony against them. And they departed and went through the villages, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. Matt, would you grab me some water? Something's going on. And I don't want to cough the whole service. So what is it, who is Jesus in regard to the ministry that a community of believers does? When we're doing ministry and abiding in Christ, what does that look like? When, when, the, when the Holy Spirit of God flows through the branches, who is us, what does that look like? What does he do, and, and what's his role in that? What's the role of the vine to the branch in ministry production? I met with a group, <clears throat> possibly a new church, definitely a new uh, gathering place, West Life Group, North West, in Ruston this week. Four believers who have uh, had their fill of empty religion and are ready to encounter the Lord, Mike and Debbie's uh, daughter and son-in-law initiated this. They're both, they both work at Tech. And uh, they came here and experienced God in, in this congregation, experienced you guys, experienced our kids running around, and just were overwhelmed and said, this is what we've been looking for. And, and now they've reached out to one other couple who is now, as of this past Monday, so fired up, they don't know what to do with themselves. And I'm so excited with them. But as we talked about <clears throat> what... As we were working through the abiding cycle in the first chapter, Hannah asked the question. She said, well, then what is fruit? Because I've always grown up hearing that fruit is, we, we go out and, and get fruit by knocking on doors and, and, uh, and having evangelistic crusades that we've got to go get a new, another believer, and that's fruit. And, and so I said, I'm glad you asked that question because we were just about to go into the section on fruit in the book and what it is. Do y'all know that fruit, according to the scripture, is not what you do at all? That fruit is what Jesus does? That whatever fruit is in ministry, it's the activity of God, first of all. It's God-exclusive activity. It's something that only God can do and so, obviously, saving a person or bringing someone to a point of salvation and breaking a heart and bringing a person to the end of themselves and getting them to, to understand the truth about who God is and motivating them to receive that is not something we can do. But we've always acted like it is. Like ministry is something we do. We have to get busy doing ministry. And I want us to understand right from the beginning that what we're going to see in this message today is that Jesus does all of it. He produces his fruit through us. Well, thank you. Thank you. (laughs) 
So, first of all, let's look at it. Verse 1. He called the twelve together and gave them power and authority over demons and to cure diseases. First of all, the first thing that Jesus does, and he does this. This is what he does with believers. This is what he does with communities of believers. When it comes to ministry, realize that Jesus is ministering through us. We are not ministering for him. We're not ministering definitely without him. We're not taking his concepts and then putting our own uh, flavor to that, our own personalities to it, and going out and doing things our way. The first thing we need to recognize is that Jesus empowers us. He empowers us. Before he sent the disciples out, he gave them power and authority. He empowered them. He, get, he got them ready. He prepared them to go out before he sent them out. And Jesus does the same thing for us. <clears throat> he saves us, which in our salvation... <clears throat> He puts his spirit in us. We are prepared because Jesus has put his spirit in us. He has empowered us by placing himself in us in spirit form. So all the potential of what Jesus could do in a moment is present in you. Everybody get that? You know, when when Peter was called to be a disciple, he had an encounter with Jesus where Jesus walks onto his boat and says, cast, cast off from the shore. And he goes out and he tells him to cast his nets out. And he had this great catch of fish. None of the other boats had that catch of fish. You know why? Jesus wasn't on their boat. When Jesus stepped onto Peter's boat, immediately because he was present, but nothing else, just the fact that Jesus was there meant all of the power in the universe was in his boat. And I think about us and our church as being that boat. We've invited Jesus to come in here and do what he wants to do. Bar nothing. There are no limits to what we're willing to allow the Holy Spirit to do in this church if he wants to do it. It's interesting that it doesn't look like any churches I've ever been in (laughs) when we gave God complete uh, freedom to do what he wants to do. But God is the one that empowers us, and his spirit lives in us. And whatever he wants to do, he will do. He also gives us life experiences that build our faith, faith for the impossible. In experiencing God, Henry Blackaby says the reason why most people don't experience God is because we're not willing to do anything that's God-sized. We don't have the faith for something God-sized. We don't have the faith... To make it through a day when things don't go our way. Now, we don't need to be reprimanded or feel guilty about it. We know what God does in the presence of lack of faith because we talked about that last week, right? When we doubt, what does he do? He looks down and says, perfect. You guys are awesome. By the way, someone gave a good illustration this last week. I think it was a Butterfield Life group. Uh, said, it's like we always take pictures and videos of our kids when they're taking their first steps. And we show everybody. It's not because it's good walking, right? It's pitiful walking. It's the worst walking ever. These kids are horrible at it. Why are we taking pictures of them walking? Because they're, they're, they're growing. They're learning. They're, they're, they're becoming, right? And I can just, I've just had this picture in that life group, and I've had it all week in my mind, that what God does with us is that he show, Jesus shows the Father. He's sitting beside the Father, interceding for us. Literally, he's got his iPhone out. He's probably got an Android. He's got his, his Samsung S55. 
edge. And, and, and he's showing the father, look at this. Look at him. And he's so excited and so full of joy about what he sees in us. Even when we doubt, it doesn't change the way he feels about us, and we know that. But guys, look, God has put his Holy Spirit inside of us so we can have our own experiences with God, so ultimately he can build the kind of faith that we need to be able to be ministers in this community. He's doing that for us, just like he did for the disciples. He empowered them by letting them live with him, letting them walk with him. He didn't just supernaturally give them something. He walked with them in life, and they had their own experiences that they knew. If he has power to calm the seas, to speak, and the the winds obey what he says, then he has power that he can give us to accomplish his work. So rest in that. Realize Jesus is empowering us. Who is he? He is the one that empowers us for ministry. And if he's going to do ministry through us, it needs to be, it has to be, his power, in his power. So I say let's do God-exclusive stuff. Let's allow Jesus to do through us what we can't do ourselves. The second thing, Jesus sent him out, verse 2, and he sent him out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. He sent them out at the right time to, the, to various places. We don't even know where they went, but they went. He sends them out to proclaim the kingdom of God. And he sends us to the right places at the right time. It's not random when God sends us out. Because we have the power of the Holy Spirit living in us. We have him dwelling with us, living in us. <clears throat> we never have to go anywhere without Jesus. The disciples had to go without Jesus. When he sent them out, he sent them away from him. Wouldn't it have been cool for them if they could have just took Jesus with them? We can do that. We have an advantage above the disciples that when we're sent out, he goes with us. He doesn't go without us, but we are sent. And Jesus tells the disciples to go and proclaim the the kingdom to those who would receive it. And we need to go out when and where Jesus sends us. We need to be sensitive to the voice of the Holy Spirit and his promptings. And remember that we're already empowered as we go. And that supernatural things can happen because of it. I I bet that if Peter would have gone fishing the the next day and Jesus had been on his boat, he would have remembered that he had power, had been empowered to do the impossible, right? I imagine that if the disciples would have had another storm in the boat the week or the day after they had the experience of Jesus calming the storms, that they probably would have been doing some backstrokes and hanging out and splashing each other instead of worrying about the storm, and they would have let Jesus sleep because they knew they had been empowered, and the power was with them in the boat. And so we need to remember that as Jesus sends us out, but we are sent out. We're sent out to wherever and whenever Jesus would have us to minister. We carry that ministry with us. So that's who he is. He's the one that empowers us and sends us out. Verse 3 says that Jesus provides for us as we go. He said to them, take nothing for your journey, no staff, no bag, no bread, no money, and don't have two tunics. Now, if, if, why was he telling them that? Is it bad for us to have, 
to take food with us when we go places? No. But he's trying to teach his disciples something that we all need to learn. When it comes to ministry, we don't need to depend on our abilities to take care of ourselves. You know, when it, when it comes to, to, to walking in ministry with Jesus and him doing ministry through us, we don't need to worry about all of the details. We don't need to worry about, uh, for instance, when, when Jesus asks me to do something or involves me in a ministry, how's it going to affect my reputation with certain people? If I minister in the way that Jesus is telling me to minister, is somebody so-and-so going to think poorly of me? It doesn't matter. We don't have to worry about what people think about us when we go out in ministry with Jesus. All we need to do is do what he says. And then we, some of us might think, well, what if I, you know, what if I don't, don't do well in this ministry that he's calling, calling me to go to? Uh, I, maybe I don't have the talents for it. I can testify of one who did not have the talent to preach that it doesn't matter. You don't have to look inside yourself and look around your cabinets in your house to find out, do I have the right stuff and what I need to take with me so that I can minister effectively. God will take care of us, providing for us what we need. Some of us, it's income that we worry about. I can't tell you how many, we were talking again this morning, Bill and I were, about how blessed we were to be a part of this church and to understand what we understand about God and to be, have been set free from the legalism that we walked in and the, the religious baggage that we were carrying and perpetuating in our ministry and lives. And we, we thought, uh, I was sharing how so many of my minister friends understand these truths about God. They walk in those themselves, but they can't teach them in their churches because their churches have expectations and their income is a problem. You know, if I, do, if I don't walk in, in the way this church wants me to walk, then I'm going to lose my job. Now, I would hear Jesus saying to us, don't worry about it. I'm going to provide for you. You just walk in what I tell you to walk. And I love that about Jesus. I love that in ministry, we don't have to worry about our income. We don't have to worry about our financial uh, sustenance. We can do ministry and not worry about that. And that Jesus is also the provider of words. So many of you are scared to death to go out and, and talk to the people that God's already put in your life. He's already told you when and where. And, and the wind keeps going to tomorrow, and then, and then the wind's tomorrow, and it's again tomorrow because we're, we're, we're afraid that God is not going to provide the words that we need to speak in a way that will give him honor and cause someone to come to know him. Look, I don't know any other way to say this than just say, I've had so many encounters with God in the pulpit where, or whatever you call this thing, in the music stand where I'm preaching and God speaks something through me that I'm not expecting to speak and I have to go back and listen to my sermon so I can get it myself. Uh, He speaks. He provides the words that you need. He will do that. Scripture is clear about that. You know, Paul said that he was worried about what he would say and, and, and and was told that the Holy Spirit will provide his words when he needed them. Jesus will do that for us. And so whatever the case is, if you think you don't have the talents or the words or you're worried about losing relationships or worried about how it affects your income, don't worry. Because the one that's with you, the one that's ministering through you, has everything you need. Remember that. It's hard for us to remember that. 
when we're in the moment. A fourth thing, Jesus went before them. In Luke chapter 9, verse 4, he said, In whatever house you enter, stay there, and from there depart. Jesus said, you're going to encounter some people as you go out to do ministry, when and where I tell you to go. And when you come across some people who have heard about me and they understand and they receive you, go into that house and stay there. So where you find reception, stay there. You know, the scripture is very clear that we're not out there by ourselves randomly trying to convince people to do something they don't want to do. I grew up believing that ministry was all about, our, our evangelism in particular, was all about me trying to talk somebody into doing something that they either don't understand yet or they just don't want to do it. And I'm going to convince them to do something they don't want to do. Man, that's not the way ministry is according to Jesus. When Jesus is ministering through us, he goes before us and he prepares hearts. In fact, Jesus said, I don't, you know, when it comes to the Father, those that come to me come because the Father sends them. And when he sends them, I'm not going to cast them out. But he says, no one can come to me unless the Father draws them. The same thing's true for us in the Holy Spirit. In the abiding passages in John chapter 15, in his last moments with the disciples. In verse 26 and 27, Jesus says this about the Holy Spirit and his role in going before us. Verse 26 says, but when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. Who will bear witness about Jesus? Or about, yeah, about Jesus. You can say it out loud. The Spirit. He will bear witness about me. And you might be thinking, oh, yeah, but he's going to do that through us. No. Look at what it says in the next verse. And you also will bear witness. It's not just, the, it's not just us. The Holy Spirit's out there drawing people to himself, working in lives, you know, bringing circumstances into our lives that, that draw us to him. And we're just walking in this world as representatives of Christ with Jesus living in us. And one of the things that he will do is he, was, he will be preparing people along the way. So when God tells you when and where, you need to, to rest in this, that Jesus is ministering through you. He's ahead of you, already preparing that person. I always try to picture a circle and in that circle is me and the person that I'm ministering to and the Holy Spirit. There's three of us in the circle. And the Holy Spirit is definitely working on me, and I've always accepted that and believed that, that he is going to help me, and we've talked already about that. He's going to provide for us. He's going to empower us. He's going to speak through us. But also, the Holy Spirit is working on the person in the circle. And Jesus is not calling us to go do something that he's not doing. He's doing it through us. And so he's out there preparing people. My own salvation experience is a result of that. Nobody did anything to draw me to Christ uh, or effectively. What drew me to Christ, weirdly enough, was that the Holy Spirit uh, led me to pick a topic off of a page. Most of you know this. My junior, in my junior English class on Legionnaire's disease, I knew nothing about it. just randomly picked it, I thought. But no, the Holy Spirit was leading me because that summer I had Legionnaire's disease. 
and thought I was going to die. And as a result of that, God knew that if I got to the end of myself, thinking my life is over, that I would take him seriously, and I did. And my life was transformed as a result of it. But God was working long before anybody ever shared the gospel with me. Y'all get that? Man, what a blessing for us to know that Jesus is ministering through us. And what that means is not only does he empower us, not only does he provide for us, not only does he send us out, but he also goes before us. He's out there doing his work already. And I know many of you, if, all of you, if you thought hard, hard enough about it, if you're a believer, you can remember some of the things that Jesus did in your life prior to your salvation. So what does it mean? For, for me, this means I don't have to force the message into people. I don't have to argue and win. Right? The Holy Spirit's doing his work. Nobody had to argue me into the kingdom of God. God does that by himself if, if he wants to, but he chooses to use us and do his ministry through us so that we can know that it's him working in us and through us. And so we don't have to force a message into people. We don't have to wonder who to speak to. The Holy Spirit recognizes his own work in people, and he helps us to recognize it. And so what we talked about, the Holy Spirit being out there uh, drawing people to himself, if they are around you, then you're a good possibility for one that can share a word for them. That in that circle, the Holy Spirit is working on them, and you're in the circle too, and so he draws you to that person. He shows you that person is interested. He helps you to understand that they're, that they're ready to hear a word. And so he tells us to go. And when he tells us to go, he's going before us. Recognize that. He's working in, on our behalf, and we don't have to wonder who to speak to. Just ask the Holy Spirit to show you. And some of you have got some people right now that you know. You know the Holy Spirit's working in their lives. There are people that are here every Sunday that are not believers that it's pretty obvious they're here every week. The Holy Spirit's doing something in their lives. Another thing is you don't have to worry about sealing the deal. If the Holy Spirit's the one drawing and the Holy Spirit's the one that's saving, you don't have to worry about sealing the deal. Now, what does that mean? For all of my ministry, I, uh, prior to the gathering place and few, you know, this church, this is the only church, church. But God started changing my heart in this way. But uh, most of my church ministry past was about how many people I can win. And so what was it about? You know, our churches were recognized for how many we get. And so what do we do? I got to hurry up and get done with this one. And if they don't receive Christ, I'm out of here. You know, I'll share once and then, boop. No, I'm out. And I, w- and I would leave them because it's all about sealing the deal. I don't have to worry about sealing the deal. I can just keep praying for that person if they're not ready to receive Christ in the moment. Obviously, God brought me there, led me to share. So I'm either planting or I'm watering. I'm doing something. I, in my case, mostly putting fertilizer on it because <laughs> I got a lot of that, a lot of fertilizer at the Wadley House. But, but God's the one that brings the harvest, right? And so we need to remember that as we go out, that he's going ahead of us, and that means that we don't have to worry about sealing the deal. It also means that we can trust that the Holy Spirit's going to continue the work. He's going to remain, you know, he, told, he tells us in this passage, when you find somebody that God is working on, stay there until you depart. Stay in that place. Pray, with, pray about that person. You know, at the gathering place, we do our ABCs, and our B is bless. 
right? Bless them, pray for them, listen to them, eat with them, uh, serve them. And then when God gives the opportunity to share the gospel, when you see the Holy Spirit working on someone, then stay with that person. Uh, But a fifth thing that Jesus does is he does release us. He says, and wherever you, uh, wherever they do not receive you, when you leave that town, shake off the dust from your feet as a testimony against them. According to M.R. Vincent, shaking off the feet was a symbolic act that indicated that the apostles and the, uh, that indicated that the apostles and their Lord regarded them not only as unclean but is entirely responsible for their uncleanness. In other words, it comes to a point where as you're sharing Christ with people, or as you're out there and you're getting constant uh, refusal from people, it doesn't mean that they can't be saved, and I'll share that in just a second, but you need to move on. You, you know, when the Holy Spirit's working and prompting you, you stay. When He's not at work, you need to move on. And maybe by God's plan and his intervention, that person will at some point respond. But you shake the dust off and you move on. You don't try to force the message of Christ in the lives of people who've rejected the Holy Spirit's movement and work and promptings. One of two things is going to happen for them. They will eventually respond to the Holy Spirit, at which point he will send you back. Or they will spend the rest of their lives in futility and die separated from God. And that's hard for us to take with some people. But our work in this kind of situation is useless. They've made their choice, and they're responsible for the results. So we need to pray and wait. Because the harvest is plentiful, the Scripture says. And the laborers are few. And we need to be out joining God and doing labor. And I think sometimes Satan keeps us so broken down over people who are not ready. And we just need to remember that he releases us. Remember also in the middle of all this, in First Peter, Peter tells us that God is not willing that any should perish. God is not releasing us in a way of saying, ah, you don't have to care about them anymore. Again, if your mentality is get as many as you can, then ah, I'm, I'm done with this one. Wait, I'm not done with that one. You know, Holy Spirit's voice is saying, I, I got more to do here. If we say, well, they didn't receive Christ, let's go on to the next one. It's not that attitude. God's not willing that any should perish. So if we want to look at the heart of Jesus and Jesus doing ministry through us, it's hard for us to move on because our hearts are his heart. Sixth thing that Jesus does is he multiplies us. In Luke chapter 9, verse 6, it says, They departed and went through the village, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. Now, here's the cool thing. I started this sermon in chapter 10, and I'm preaching out of chapter 9, because I accidentally, by God's design, on the way to to Ruston on Monday, was listening to this passage on Bible Gateway audio in in my car, and I pushed the wrong button, and it went to chapter 9, and it was the same story. It's an exact duplicate of what's happening here, only he does it with 72 in chapter 10. He tells them the same thing. He sends them out in pairs, and he tells them the exact same stuff. And so what happens is he duplicates the disciples. As the, as the 12 go out, the people are saved, and, and they then understand 
that they need to go out. And these new disciples now, 72 of them in this case, are being sent out and being told by Jesus how to, to go out and minister. Look at it with me in chapter 10, verses 1 and 2. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him, two by two into every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. So Jesus multiplies the disciples. Now, I'm going to share something with you that I hope you can hear today. You know why people like Bill and I and other ministers have perpetuated this mindless, heartless religion, this legalism, this dead religion, have done it for years and years and years and years? Because people have done it for years and years and years and years. You, you are a disciple of what you follow. And if you follow religion, then you're a disciple of religion. If that's what's in your heart, then that's what's going to come out. That's the fruit that's going to come out in your life. And so something had to happen to my heart, to Bill's heart, in order for us to come to the point of being willing to, to change, for the fruit to change. And so all of us need to recognize that Jesus is involved in this process and in the multi- what we multiply is who we are. I, I can't wait to see whatever I'm going to get to see <laughs> and whatever little bit of life I got left. You know, I, I think often I got 25 years left. If I could start a 100 gathering place church, wait, that would be four years. That ain't happening. Took three years to get this one going. You know, but just setting people free, can you imagine? Maybe at some point it's just going to catch on. You know, and lots of people will begin to understand that Jesus is who he is. And, and they'll decide to follow him. But you're the 12 right now. I was on my way to Ruston this week for that meeting and excited about the meeting. But what God, the reason why God gave me that passage on the way up there was because we had invited a couple of other people. We, were, we had talked about inviting some people. And a number of you said, hey, i got a friend that lives in Ruston. Maybe they would be interested. But a couple of people did ask about it. And so I texted them, Facebook messaged them, gave them the address and all of that. And one of them turned, uh, immediately responded in the negative. And, and I, then I listened to these verses and I thought, you know, what I'm going up to, the people I'm going up to meet with are the 12 right now. You know, it's just a few. It's, it's, it's not even 12, it's four. But you know, they're, they're the 12 that's represented here. There's God, God's going to do something. He's going to show them how he ministers through them first. And then they can show somebody else. The ones that they minister will get it. You know, most of you get how we minister, how Christ ministers through us at the gathering place because you've seen me or somebody else, an elder or a person that's in the church. You've watched them minister. And in life groups, we minister together. And you get it because you've seen it. And my prayer is that one day people will understand that if Jesus ministers through us and he wants to do that, and that will multiply others who will minister in the same way. They won't minister... In chapter 10, the disciples are not the one telling the 72 what to do. They bring them to Jesus, and Jesus tells them what to do. And we don't need people coming to us to find out what to do. We just need to help people to understand that Jesus is present 
to do ministry in your life, and he's the one that's going to do it through you. So connect with him, and maybe he'll do it differently where you are than he does here. But in this case, he does it the exact same way. So Jesus multiplies us. And the last thing is that Jesus reveals himself to us. Don't, don't forget this, church. Man, a lot of times when I'm preaching, I think it starts to sound like a, a, just a sermon. We are not about preaching sermons. We're not about giving information out. We're not about you uh, knowing what to do and you better go do it. Man, we're about abiding in Christ for one reason and one reason only, to see the fruit. And the fruit is God-exclusive activity in our lives that reveals the person that he is and results in us giving glory to him and praise to him for who we discover him to be. Why are we looking at these stories of Jesus? Because we want to know him. And Jesus reveals himself in this story. As he ministers through the disciples, his purpose in that is clear. It's not to see how many he can win. It's to teach the disciples who he is. To teach them more about himself. In both cases, in chapter 9, right after this experience, I won't read this story because we're familiar enough with it, but it's the story of the feeding of the 5,000. So Jesus has this encounter. He sends them out. They come back and meet him with a crowd, and they do this ministry together. Now, they've already been empowered, but now they're about to come to know who Jesus is through this ministry activity. So they're ministering with Jesus, and Jesus tells them to take the few loaves and fishes that they have and pass it out to the 5,000. I'm sure they're looking at the Loaves and fishes is gone, but, and they just did what he said, and when they obeyed what he said, he did God-exclusive activity in their own hands. They came to know that he has power over bread and fish, and he loves people enough to not send them home or make them pay for a meal, but he feeds them, and they learn all this stuff about Jesus because they obeyed what he said. So Jesus reveals himself. In ministry, our, the end of our ministry when we're when Jesus is doing it through us is not the activity of ministry. I'm gonna say that again because I think it went into some deaf ears. <laughs> the end of our ministry with Jesus when He does ministry through us is not the activity being done. If Jesus calls you to witness to somebody, the end of that is not you witnessing to that person. If Jesus calls you to uh, it leads you to go play music somewhere or lead worship somewhere. The end is not when you lead the worship. If Jesus calls you to do a mission trip somewhere, the end of it is not the mission trip. The end is when Jesus reveals who he is through that. So what we need to be looking for when we're leading worship somewhere is, Jesus, what are you showing me about yourself in this? When we're out sharing Christ with someone, whether they receive Christ or not, in that moment we want to look, Jesus, what are you revealing about yourself to us? Whatever it is you're doing in ministry, Jesus is doing it through you, and the main reason for you is so that you will know him in a deeper way and live your life according to what you learn. In chapter 10, the same thing happens. We'll read that one. Verses 17 to 20. The 72 went out, and they returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw... Satan, fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. 
teachable moment. They just discovered something about Jesus as they went out and ministered. As they obeyed what he said, he revealed that they had power in his name even over demons. And he says, yeah, and you got a lot more power than you think. Remember, I gave you power and authority. But then he says this statement, I love it. Don't get fixated on the power. That was a demonstration of who I am. He says, nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Rejoice in the fact that you know me. You have a relationship with me. Rejoice in that. Don't rejoice in, in the fact that you have power. Rejoice in the fact that, you, that I'm doing this ministry through you because you're mine. Man, this has been a great week for me in ministry, just watching what Jesus does. I watched four uh, faces and hearts get transformed uh, on, on Monday through just the time that the Holy Spirit had with us in Rust. And I watched the light turn on and epiphanies happen. And, and I watched people turn, go from skepti- skeptics to can't wait to hear to have the next meeting where we can fall more deeply in love with God. I watched hearts get changed. I love that. I got called to do something yesterday. I didn't want to do it. I, uh, I honestly, I, I just, I don't enjoy speaking at memorial services. But it was my aunt. It got delayed, and I didn't have, you know, I, I mean, I would have been there. But most of them are not, you know, believers. Uh, not, not in the way we're talking about. They, they're religious. And God led me to say that yesterday. I ended up not speaking on what I thought I was going to speak on. God took control. And at the end of it, I said, if anybody, uh, if, you, if you want Christ to come into your life, we talked about Fran's life and how her change came because Jesus' spirit came and awakened her spirit. Her spirit came to life. And all of a sudden, she was producing his fruit. She was a great lady. And everybody that knew her knew that. I want you to know that's not because she's learned to act right. It's not because she had pressure from the outside or because she's a religious person. Her religion didn't give her that. She received the free gift of salvation through Christ. He came and lived in her heart and changed her. And I said, if you want that, if you feel like the Holy Spirit is drawing you to have that in your heart, to have him in your heart, then regardless of how religious you are, what religion you come from, just ask him. And he'll come in. And at the end of the, end of the service, my cousin came up to me and, and couldn't even speak because he, he was visibly emotional. And he said, I want you to know I did that. And this, we've had a relationship all of my life, all of his life. I'm older than him. And he's heard the message of salvation. And he's heard people try and get him to move from one religion to another religion multiple times. And all it did was solidify his decision to stay where he was in dead religion. But yesterday, something happened that's going to transform his life. It was so so obviously the Holy Spirit, because I didn't want to go. I didn't want to speak what I spoke. But I've learned to submit to that, and and I've learned by experience this week in two different occasions that Jesus ministers through me. He ministers through me. And we want to be a church. Our goal is to be a church that Jesus ministers through. Not a church that has ideas about what ministries are and we get busy working hard and getting credit for ourselves and building our own kingdom and gathering our own 
group of zealots, religious zealots, to follow us into some new form of really cool religious practice. We want Jesus to empower us, to send us out, provide for us, release us, multiply us, but most of all, reveal himself to us as he does ministry through us. Let's pray and ask him for that today. Father, thank you again just for Jesus and for the example that he lived and for the record of the Gospels so we can know uh, who he is. Thank you for this study. Thank you that, Lord, we, we don't have to keep singing and bringing grain. But, but Father, instead, we can know you and know details about you by the experiences that we have with you in such a way that we would be able to say from our hearts that, that you are enough. You are enough. You're all we need. And so God, make that more clear today in relation to ministry, that you're all we need. We don't need a good plan, a good model. We don't need a lot of people. We just need you. And thank you that you live in us and you walk with us and you don't just send us out. You go with us. You go before us. And, and you're, you're, you are doing this work in such a miraculous and beautiful way. So build your church and, and build that church through us. We want to know you through this. In Jesus' name.